What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another podcast. Yes, I am doing another solo podcast. I never thought I would say that in my entire existence. But here we are doing another solo podcast one week after I just did one. Um, I am not really a big fan of solo podcasts, but you guys apparently loved the Chicago Marathon recap one that I did last week where I answered a ton of your questions regarding the Chicago Marathon, how I trained, how I prepped, all my strategy going into the race, uh, and everything around the Chicago Marathon. So I figured I would give you at least one more. I'm going to test out kind of a different um, type of podcast today just to see how it goes. This one's going to be hyper-focused on one specific thing. And as you can tell by the title of the podcast, it's going to be all about how to recover after running. And when I was originally planning out this podcast, I was really just looking at my own experience, uh, just like from an anecdotal standpoint of how I kind of group my recovery and everything into these three categories, these three buckets of uh, active recovery, sleep, and nutrition. But as I was preparing for this, I was like, you know what, there's probably a lot of studies and science and data behind all these things, not just me going out and, you know, doing them and learning via experience. And sure enough, there is a whole study that is dialed in on this exact topic. Um, Instead of the three buckets, they put it into four buckets uh, and they called it the four R's. And that is rehydrate, which is talking uh, about water and sodium electrolytes basically and then refuel which is focused solely on carbohydrates for uh during or before during and after uh intense exercise and then the third one is repair which is focused primarily on proteins and creatine casein different types of uh these nutrients that you can use post-exercise to help with recovery. And then the fourth one is rest, such as uh, they talked mostly about sleep in this um, study, but I'm going to add a whole bunch of other things such as like active recovery uh, and some other kind of hacks and things that I have found worked for me to help recover after a race. But all that being said, we're going to dive into this study that I went through. I want to make it known, obviously, that I am not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. I have no certificates in the field of sports or medicine or anything like this. I am just a guy who loves to run. I've been doing it for five years. I love to lift. I love nutrition. I love learning about all this stuff, and I like to go out and practice it and experiment and learn things on my own, Um, but I'm not, I don't have degrees or any of this stuff, so everything I say here Take it with a grain of salt. I am essentially just relaying this information from this study that I found. I will obviously link the study in the description of this podcast so you can go and check it out for yourself. Um, But again, I'm going to kind of summarize everything in this study for you because I found it so interesting and not only interesting, but reassuring to myself because these are things that I have basically learned and developed through my own experience of running for five years, doing five marathons, doing ultra marathons, all these different things, and trying to learn as much as I can on my own. So it's very reassuring that there's actually science and data behind all these things. And I'm just not full of crap trying to, you know, spread all this information um, with no basis on it. So all that being said, let's dive into this thing. And we'll kind of go through these four R's on how to recover after running. And then also one other thing is at the end of this podcast, I'll kind of give you guys um, a little update just in my own personal world of uh, what I have coming up as far as races and uh, other running type events. So that'll be at the end of the podcast.
Before we dive into this episode, I want to first tell you about our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Exact Health. Exact Health is one of my absolute favorite resources for runners. They have created a revolutionary approach for injury prevention and rehabilitation specifically built for runners. They've revised and updated all of their injury prevention plans with this idea in mind. It's not the moment itself, but it's the moments before. It's all about consciously incorporating prevention into your training routine, and Exact Health is here to help you with the Exact Health Injury Prevention app. Exact Health is designed by sports physiotherapists and uses evidence-based practices to help you prevent common running injuries or rehab an injury that you're currently dealing with. Prevention 2.0 empowers you to target your weaknesses, prevent recurring injuries, and take your running to the next level. You can select specific areas like your ankle, foot, hip, or knee to tailor your training sessions and improve your overall strength and control. Best of all, the training plans adapt to your abilities and needs, ensuring that you get a fully personalized experience. You can try the Exact Health app for free for seven days with no strings attached. And after the trial, it's your choice to continue. There's no automatic charges or bank details needed. You guys can use the sign up link in the description of this episode to get your first seven days of Exact Health for free. This episode is sponsored by Switchback. Switchback is a community brand that my friend Brock and I started working on earlier this year. We were both searching for a high quality electrolyte product without all the garbage like sugar and artificial sweeteners. And we also wanted something that had a more effective ingredient profile where you didn't have to take several servings in order to get the right dosage. So we set out to formulate our own. Each serving of electrolytes has a thousand milligrams of sodium, which helps to reduce headaches, keep you properly hydrated throughout the day, prevents bonking and cramping during a race or a hard workout. It also has 400 milligrams of potassium, which also helps to prevent cramping and proper hydration. We also added in 500 milligrams of coconut water powder, which is a great source of natural electrolytes. It also helps with the flavoring of the product. And another addition that we made was estrogen. This is a compound that helps with nutrient and vitamin absorption. We've never seen electrolyte supplements add this in there, and we think that it can really make a big difference. And the science is there to back that up. Switchback is also free from any added sugars. We use stevia to sweeten it, but aside from a high quality electrolyte product, we also wanted to build a community and provide a place for individuals to connect with other like-minded people through the common interest of health, wellness and running. We'll also be partnering with group runs all throughout the country. We've already had several meetups here in Austin, Texas, but we really want to be the fuel source for all of those memory making moments, which often happen at those group runs. We've had some really, really amazing feedback from everybody so far on the flavor, the ingredients, the design and the community aspect of everything. You guys can check us out at goswitchback.co to shop our electrolytes as well as find out where our next group run will be. But again, go switchback.co. Go check us out. This podcast is also sponsored by Two Before Performance Nutrition. I've been taking Two Before for over six months now. I used it for the Boston Marathon. I used it for a couple of my ultra marathons this year. I've been using it all throughout my Chicago Marathon training, and I'll be using it for the Chicago Marathon that's coming up in just two weeks. Two Before is an all-natural pre-workout or pre-run powder that is made from blackcurrant berries. If you don't know what blackcurrants are, I did not know what they were before I learned about two before, but they are a berry. They do not grow in the U.S. either, by the way, but they are a specific berry that grows in New Zealand. And because of the environment that these particular black currants grow in in New Zealand, they are very, very rich in this compound called anthocyanins, which essentially, to just keep it short and simple, helps with immunity, helps with recovery, 
and helps you perform better in aerobic or endurance activities such as running. I started incorporating two before into my pre-run routine uh, before a hard speed workout or a long run and let me tell you, I can truly, truly tell a difference. This stuff really works. It's not snake oil, but I can certainly assure you that two before does make a difference. I've noticed it firsthand in all of my training um, during a workout, especially the recovery aspect of things. If you guys want to give two before a try, you can use my code JMiller for $10 off your order at twobefore.com. I cannot recommend two before enough, and I hope you guys give it a shot. Again, you can use my code JMiller for $10 off your order at twobefore.com. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Miller. Every week, I chat with fascinating people from all walks of life in order to bring you knowledge, inspiration, and insight. If you enjoy the show, you can support it by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing it with a friend. This is the Jeremy Miller Podcast. All right, the first R of the four R's is rehydrate, and this is focused primarily on water and electrolytes for the replenishment of those sources and micronutrients uh, when you're exercising. And what they recommend in this study is a hundred that you should uh, replenish after a workout with 150% of the weight lost during the workout in liquids. Uh, and basically what this came out to is three cups of fluid water, hopefully, uh, or they recommend water, obviously three cups of fluid per pound of weight lost. So let's say you go out for an hour long run, you lose five pounds of sweat, five pounds times three cups would be 15 cups of water. And with that water, they recommended a sodium concentration of 20 to 30 milli equivalent liters. Uh, I have no clue what the heck that means. I've never seen that uh, unit of measurement before. And I tried to look it up and I, I found out what it meant, but I don't, I still don't know <laughs> how you would actually measure that. So if there is some scientist or uh, medical school student or somebody on here who can tell me what the heck uh, 20 to 30 milli equivalent liters of sodium would be, um, that would be very helpful because I truly have no idea. So I'll let you guys take that information and do with it what you will. Again, I'm not a scientist. I'm just here to summarize this study. Um, all that being said, again, to recap that 150% of the weight you lost uh, in liquids, replenish that right after the run with 20 to 30 milli-equivalent gram, uh, milli-equivalent sodium concentration. I don't know. That, that's you're good. You guys have to figure that one out on your own. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, they also talked about how high sodium foods are super, super beneficial, such as crackers, pickles, uh, nuts, anything that has a lot of salt on it, that's obviously going to help because there's high sodium concentration. Um, obviously, the electrolytes help shuttle water into your muscles. They also recommended, which this is backed by a lot of science, is chocolate milk because uh, it has a little bit of sodium. It has electrolytes. It has carbs. It has protein. It has fat. It has all these macro and micronutrients that helps uh your body recover right after a workout. So to summarize the rehydrate portion of this, they recommend water and electrolytes immediately afterwards. Uh, next best thing would be chocolate milk. The second R of the four R's is refuel. And in this study, they talked mostly about carbohydrates and their crucial role for recovery uh, and how not only should you be taking carbohydrates after you work out, but how important it is to actually be taking carbs on a daily basis 
how having carbs kind of consistently loaded into your system, having those glycogen stores topped off will help significantly for post-exercise. Um, so yes, you need carbs after exercise, but not just bef- not just after, but also before and during. All of that will help speed up recovery and reduce muscle soreness and reduce strength loss following an intense uh, exercise. So uh, some of the numbers that they recommended was is if you exercise for two to three hours per day, they recommend about five to eight grams per kilogram of body weight. If you exercise three to six hours per day, who the heck is exercising that much? Uh, eight to 10 grams per kilogram of body weight. And this one is probably the most important one is uh, if you exercise for six plus hours per day, or this is the important part, you are preparing for a high intensity competition, such as a race or an event or a sport game or something like that, then they recommend 10 to 12 grams of carbs per kilogram of body weight. And one simple rule of thumb I like to do, uh, I guess it's not a rule of thumb, it's a calculator that I use. I put it in the last podcast, and this is from Featherstone Nutrition. I'll put the link in the description of this too, but uh, it's this carb loading calculator for marathons and half marathons. I think she has it on there for like Ironmans and stuff too, but any type of endurance event, you put in your height, your weight, your age, uh, and then your goal time, and then it will give you a number for how many grams of carbs you should be taking per day. Typically for a marathon uh, or anything longer than that, it's going to be a three-day carb load. If it is less than that, typically just a one to two-day carb load. Um, But again, I'll put the link of that in the description here. Uh, And one thing that it also talked about was, uh, again, the importance of carbs post-exercise. And I think a lot of people overlook this. I I rarely, you know, growing up ever heard anybody talk about getting in carbs after exercise. The only thing I ever heard people talk about was carbs before, protein after. Um, But because you are depleting your glycogen stores, you're using all of those carb stores during exercise. Your body, your, your muscles need that to continue functioning even after you're done exercising. And so you need to shuttle a bunch of carbs and glycogen back into your system. Uh, That way you can recover faster and you can get to the next workout even faster and less sore. Uh, And so what they recommend was post-intense exercise, make sure you get in a high-carb meal within two hours of exercising. So that is the refuel portion of this uh, and the importance of carbs. Again, I just want to reiterate, because I had never heard anybody talk about it, was you need to have carbs post-exercise. Don't forget about carbs after the exercise. The third R is repair, and this... Uh, was focused primarily on protein, but they also hit on creatine, antioxidants, anti-inflammatory, BCAAs, and one really interesting thing I'll talk about here in a sec is casein protein for uh, benefiting sleep. Um, But what they recommended for uh, protein post-exercise was 0.5 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight, Uh, and that's immediately after exercise. I think they said within two to four hours. They also added in there that uh, an easier, like kind of one size fits all metric to follow for protein is just 40 grams of absolute car, uh, protein. So just if you don't want to do the math of 0.5 times however many kilos I weigh, just do 40 grams of protein. Just get that in after each exercise. Uh, and that will, based on science, help with uh, recovery and muscle soreness and continue building up that strength and helping your muscles come back better and stronger. Uh, they also talked about the importance of creatine. I take creatine every single day. I hope that you do. If not, I would highly recommend you start taking creatine every single day. Uh, and the thing with creatine, a lot of people ask me, like, do you need to cycle on or off? Should you take it if you're a runner? And the answer is 
you don't need to cycle on and off, first of all. Uh, and yes, if you're a runner, you should definitely take creatine. Um, creatine is the number one most studied supplement of all time. There are tons and tons of studies on creatine. It's truly one of the best, uh, cheapest, and simplest supplements, in my opinion. Everybody asks me where I get mine from. Honestly, I just go to GNC and like whatever they have on sale, whatever the cheapest one is. Because again, as long as you're getting it from a, a reputable brand uh, and not somebody like making it in their basement, most creatine, in my opinion, is pretty much all the same. It's such a simple, straightforward um, substance. Uh, and again, somebody could change my mind on this. This is just my personal opinion and from what I know. But um, as long as you're getting your creatine from anything decent, uh, like at GNC or Vitamin Shop or some supplement company um, that has a good reputation, you're going to be okay with it. Uh, but again, I would recommend creatine every single day for muscle recovery, uh, better performance output. Uh, helps a lot with like sprinting and like strength training especially. So Highly recommend creatine. There's also a lot of brain uh, benefits of creatine that there are much better resources than me to talk about this, but um, I do know there are lots of benefits for uh, brain health from creatine, which is cool. And one of the other things that they talked about uh, under the repair portion of this was antioxidants and anti-inflammatories. There's a lot of benefits for antioxidants and anti-inflammatories, but I think the timing of it, you have to be careful with the timing of it. Uh, especially during like, say you're in the middle of your marathon prep. From my understanding and what this uh, study is suggesting is that you don't want to become reliant upon antioxidants and anti-inflammatory by taking them immediately after your workouts because when we when we exercise, our bodies become inflamed. It's a natural process. We have this oxidative stress happening. And when you introduce antioxidants or some anti-inflammatory externality, then it's going to block that process and your body's going to be able to fight it off much, much quicker, which can be good if your goal is to recover in a short period of time. But the other downside with that is that it can actually uh, hinder your body's ability to, to create those physical adaptations. So it's like, take the cold plunge, for example. That's an anti-inflammatory um, because you, you get in the cold, all that really cold water, makes everything shrink down, you lose that inflammation, um, which is great, but you have to be careful with the timing of it because say you go for a run or an intense lift, you immediately hop into the cold plunge, you stop your body's natural inflammation, uh, and your body basically becomes reliant over time to the, the cold exposure because it's like, oh, well, I don't really need to make any physical adaptations post-exercise because I can just hop in this cold thing and it's going to get rid of the inflammation for me. So you have to be careful with that. Uh, there's actually some studies on that. Um, Huberman talks about it all the time, especially with cold plunges. Of uh, You should wait at least four to six hours after intense exercise. Otherwise, you will lose uh, not all, but a lot of your adaptations that you could have had through that exercise. Um, and especially when, this, when it comes to marathon training and running, that's really the ultimate goal of the training is to develop these physiological adaptations like lactate threshold, stronger muscles, more muscular endurance. And when you introduce these external things like antioxidants or anti-inflammatories all the time, then it stops that adaptation from occurring. So yes, antioxidants are good. Anti-inflammatories can be good, but you just have to make sure the timing of them is right. Uh, So again, this could be, there's a million different antioxidants and anti-inflammatories. So I would just, whatever you think you want to use or whatever, just Maybe look up those specific things. There's more than likely a study 
or a recommended time of use for those. And this is the last point on antioxidants and anti-inflammatories is if your goal is to recover very quickly, say you have a, a really big workout today and you have another really big workout tomorrow or something, or say you're doing like a CrossFit event and you have like a, a really intense workout today and you have another one tomorrow, that's like a short, very short period of time you need to recover so you can come back fast. Uh, or yeah, come back with a quick recovery. Um, that's where you'd probably want to, you know, just throw everything at it, like cold plunge, anti-inflammatory, antioxidants and stuff. Uh, so there are benefits of it. Um, I think just be weary of the timing of things like that. Uh, the study also talked about BCAAs, branched chain amino acids, uh, how these are very, very, uh, helpful for maintaining strength, reducing muscle damage after exercise. And then this, I thought, was one of the most interesting things in this study, was they recommended uh, casein protein before sleep. They recommended taking 40 to 48 grams of casein protein approximately 30 minutes before sleeping, and this apparently has a very positive effect on improving your protein metabolism as well as uh, just improving your overall muscle recovery from exercise. Uh, And so I looked up obviously, what are foods high in casein, and what do you know? We got milk on there. If you guys know me, you know I love my milk. Uh, So again, very reassured uh, to my love of milk because of this study. So that's cool. Um, Again, it's 40 to 48 grams of protein, of casein protein, approximately 30 minutes before sleeping, um, which I thought was just super interesting. So again, things high in casein is milk, cream, butter, cheese, uh, really any kind of dairy product will be quite high in casein protein. So maybe we all just need a little bit more raw milk in our lives. Uh, And then the last R of the four R's is rest. Uh, And in this study, they primarily talked about sleep, just how important sleep is. Uh, I found these uh, two other studies regarding sleep. One of them was from Stanford basketball players who increased their sleep from less than seven hours per night to eight and a half hours per night. And on average, they all ran faster. They shot more accurately. This is basketball players. And their their reaction time improved and their overall fatigue decreased. So that's going from less than seven hours of sleep per night to eight and a half hours. Um, Obviously, sleep is one of the biggest hacks for, not even a hack, just one of the biggest things that I think we all skip out on uh, for recovery after exercise or after running, after training. And I think it's, it's just so overlooked by all these other things like these, uh, what are they called? The Normatec compression boots and like cold plunges and the red light therapy and the Theragun percussive therapy, all these different things. Yes, they're cool. They might have some benefits. Um, but in my opinion, and I think the science would say, would agree with this is that sleep is really one of the best things for uh, recovery, making sure you come back strong and fresh over and over and over again. Yes, you got to do all these other things too, but I would say like per unit of output, sleep is probably the most bang for your buck. Another study I found said that uh, getting less than seven hours of sleep per night increased your risk of injury by 170%. That is nuts. Uh, I personally try to get minimum seven hours. Like if I get less than seven hours, I'm mad at myself. It doesn't happen very often, maybe a couple times a month uh, just because life happens, things come up. But I always try to get at least seven hours. If I can, uh, I'll get up to eight. Uh, 
they, I will try to uh, maybe a couple times a month, just even just like not set an alarm if I can help it and just let my body wake up naturally. It's very hard to do with dogs, but I will do that from time to time whenever possible. Um, and just some other kind of like tips I could give you for sleep that, that I've found to help me is really the overall number one biggest thing, which I talked about this in the last podcast, uh, was consistency. And, and again, if you look up, you know, sleep tips, this is probably the number one thing that most people recommend too. And what I found to help me the most when it comes to sleep consistency is not being so worried about an alarm time, but being more concerned like an alarm wake up time, but being more concerned about like a going to bed time or a going to bed alarm. Uh, if you have an iPhone, I'm sure a lot of you guys know this, but you can set up like the sleep schedule thing and it'll remind you every night at whatever time you want. It's like bedtime reminder. Make sure you go to sleep soon. And I have that set up and that's a good reminder. I don't stick to it every night, but I try to. And that helps me a lot because it's like, okay, if I'm in bed every night by 9 p.m., 10 p.m., whatever it is, um, and getting that good, consistent routine, then that helps it. Me, so, it helps me so much to wake up in the morning, um, and, and it makes you know getting up to an alarm even easier because your body just gets into that that circadian rhythm uh, and that that rise and wake routine with the sun and the nighttime and all these things that we all talk about and see on social media. Obviously, it's easier said than done, um, and I know people that have crazy schedules, super inconsistent schedules, so that can be very very challenging. The modern world is not very conducive to. Uh, our sleep patterns, unfortunately, but do with it what you can try and be as consistent as you can. Um, that's one of my biggest tips. And then some other like little things that I've found to help me is, uh, mouth tape. I started using mouth tape probably two or three months ago. Uh, it's from this company called dream recovery. And at first I thought it was a gimmick. I'm like, you really expect me to put tape on my mouth while I sleep? But there's a book called Breathe by James Nestor. I would highly recommend you check it out. He's been on Joe Rogan's podcast several times. And uh, his whole book is about nasal breathing and how important it is and how we're really not meant to breathe out of our mouths. But so many of us, because the foods we eat, the lifestyles we live, uh, and several other factors, we tend to be mouth breathers, especially when we sleep. Like if you look, you know, go on an airplane, you see somebody sleeping most of the time they're going to be like with their head back and their mouth is wide open, breathing in that dry recycled airplane air. Um, and it's just not good. And nasal breathing, there's a lot of studies and science on this too, but, um, basically mouth tape helps a lot with nasal breathing, clearing up your passageways. And I will say anecdotally in my experience, uh, ever since I started using it, I don't wake up in the middle of the night anymore. I used to wake up frequently in the middle of the night. And I think what it was, was I was definitely a mouth breather. Uh, and so I'd snore and I'd, I'd wake myself up from snoring. And I think I also talk a lot in my sleep. And when I have mouth tape on, I obviously can't talk in my sleep. Um, and so it helps me from waking up in the middle of the night, which is amazing. I also have a lagoon pillow. Uh, this is like a, a custom performance type of pillow. Um, I know the owner personally, he's a great guy and they make really, really amazing pillows. Basically like you go on their website, you take a quiz about your sleep patterns, all these different things. And then it'll give you this, uh, custom recommended pillow just for you. So that helps a lot. And then another thing that I have, I freaking love this thing. Uh, it's called a chili pad or chili sleep pad. I've had this for like two years now. I think it's essentially this like, sh- uh, thing, that lays flat across the top of your mattress and there's like all these little water coils. You can't feel it when you're laying on it, but it's these like water coils that run 
uh, across the top of your mattress, and then it feeds cool water through these little coils and these wires. Uh, And you know that feeling when you first get into bed and the sheets are nice and cool, and it's like, oh, like, I don't know, it's just such a good feeling. That's kind of what the Chili Sleep Pad does all night. It doesn't keep your bed, like, cold, cold, but it keeps it, like, cool, like, has that nice cooling feeling. So it prevents it from getting hot, basically, um, and I freaking love that thing. I think I said it's, like, 55 degrees, and it's it's amazing. But, yeah, if you guys want some other resources uh, for sleep, it's a super, super popular book. I read it a couple of years ago, and it, it truly changed my outlook on sleep. It's called Why We Sleep by Dr. Matt Walker. Again, he's been on the Rogan podcast a couple times. Uh, he's getting super well-known, which is amazing, but um, his whole thing is sleep, how we're all sleep-deprived, and how we can kind of combat that and different things we can do uh, to improve our sleep. So I would highly recommend that book, or at least listen to some podcasts with him if you haven't already. Uh, and then the last thing I'll talk about with the the final R uh, for rest is just active recovery. I talked about this again a little bit in that other podcast, but in case you guys missed it, I'll kind of go over it here too. But walking is by far my favorite form of active recovery. Uh, not only is it like very meditative, it helps mentally clear your mind, but from a physical standpoint, walk, nothing makes me feel better than walking. Like I could be so sore, like literally in Chicago this year, ran the marathon, went out later that day, I uh, ran the marathon. I was laying in the hotel room for a few hours, just resting. Got super tight and stiff. Everything hurt. I felt like crap. And I was like, okay, I need to go for a walk. So I went for like a 45 minute walk to met some friends at dinner. Uh, and then felt great. Like literally five, 10 minutes into the walk, everything loosened up. My blood was flowing. My joints felt good. I love walking so much. Um, I would recommend this is kind of my protocol after running a race is. Same day of the race, uh, later in the afternoon after I've got some food and showered and, and rested a little bit, then I'll go for uh, about a 45-minute walk, if not longer. Just get the legs moving, get the body moving, get the blood flowing. Uh, it also helps clear out all the lactic acid that gets built up through an intense workout or a race. Uh, and then <clears throat> I'll basically continue that. I'll walk, again, at least 45 minutes per day. Uh, until I'm comfortable running again. Usually, like this year for Chicago, I ran, I think for the first time, it was like Wednesday or Thursday. The race was on Sunday, so it took me about, I think, four days to run again. Um, I was sick, so that didn't help. But uh, legs felt good just a couple days after the race, and I probably could have ran sooner. But again, just keep walking. Uh, and I think a lot of that too, it helps like keep that good routine and that consistency that you had prior to the race where you were getting up every morning, going for a run or whatever time you normally go for your run. You keep that, that same window in your day and you, you keep that dedicated to exercise or movement. And then it's just like, whenever you're ready to start running again, you transition from the, the walking to the running. Uh, and I think that helps a lot. Obviously the next transition into that would just be some really light jogging, keep it nice and easy, go for like two, three miles you know, just 20, 30 minute little shakeout runs post race. Um, I think that helps a lot. And I know, uh, as you build up into it, even during training, I know a lot of elite people do this is kind of where I got the idea from is instead of making, uh, like Sundays, uh, a full on rest day from running, just go out for like a little 15, 20, 30 minute shakeout run, even incorporate some walking, just a really, really light active recovery type of day, even in the middle of training. Uh, and I started doing that a lot 
for for this last build in Chicago, like Sundays I would get out and run a little bit more, and that made a huge difference. Um, same thing with like two a days, and you know, doing like a like a big workout in the morning, like a speed workout, and then later that evening or afternoon, go for like a three or four mile little shakeout run, just nice and easy. I felt like I was way less sore the next day by doing that. So uh, again, I say it all the time: motion is lotion. It's like one of my favorite sayings in the world, uh, and it's so true because the motion. And the movement promotes uh, circulation, promotes blood flow, clears out all that junk and like tissue out of our muscles that aren't supposed to be there, and uh, gets your joints nice and lubricated. Motion is lotion, baby. You got to get the movement going. Um, other great things. Uh, I didn't really incorporate much of this, but uh, I have it at other points in time. Is like biking, swimming, uh, the rowing machine. Other great forms of like low impact cardio. Again, with all the same purposes, uh, myofascial release, I would like to incorporate into active recovery, such as foam rolling, uh, rolling out with a lacrosse ball, using percussive therapy, like a, a Theragun or something. Those are all really, really great forms of active recovery. Uh, one of my other favorite things is the sauna and cold plunge. Again, being careful with the cold plunge, not to do it too soon after a workout. Make sure you give yourself like four to six hours. But that contrast therapy of sauna and cold plunge back and forth, back and forth is so amazing. Bree and I did this uh, when we were in Chicago. We went to this bathhouse the day after the race. And uh, there's like salt baths and jet baths and all these different types of like hot tubs and steam rooms. And then they had cold plunges everywhere too. It was such a cool place. I'd highly recommend it. It's called uh, Aire. It's like A-I-R-E or R-A, Air, however you say it. I don't know. Uh, but they had it in Chicago and it was so cool. It's like this little underground, very moody, uh, kind of like Middle Eastern sort of feel to it. It was really cool. I would highly recommend it. But Basically, for 90 minutes, we just cycled in and out, hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold, and I felt so good afterwards. Such a mental uh, clarity comes from all that, too. Um, yeah, I love the, the contrast of saunas and cold plunges. But that kind of wraps up the rest, uh, the fourth R of the four R's. And just to kind of do a quick little recap for all those uh, four R's, because I kind of through a lot at you guys. Number one, the first R is rehydrate, focusing on sodium and water, even throwing in some chocolate milk for after exercise. Refuel, focusing on carbohydrates, post-exercise especially, uh, but also having in daily carbs will help with the recovery after exercise. The third R, repair, focusing on protein, creatine, antioxidants, uh, BCAAs, and then even incorporating some casein proteins uh, within about 30 minutes before bed. And then the fourth R is rest, making sure you're prioritizing sleep, getting good, consistent sleep schedules, uh, and then incorporating some active recovery uh, on you know your rest days during training and then the days following a big event or a race. So hopefully those four R's were helpful for you guys. Um, I found that study super, super interesting. And again, very reassuring to myself that I'm just not making all this stuff up on my own. There's actually science behind all of it. Um, and before I wrap up this podcast, I just want to talk, give you guys a quick update about my upcoming races uh, and what I have planned because a lot of you guys have been asking. So first off, uh, yesterday, uh, I just signed up for the Brazos Bend 100K race in, uh, I think it's called Needleville. It's somewhere outside of Houston, Texas. Uh, that is in about six weeks. It's on December 2nd. Super, 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 super excited for that. This will be my first 100K uh, 
and 100 kilometers, in case you don't know, if you need the, the conversion, is 62 miles. I've never gone anything over 52 miles. Uh, I've done the, the Bighorn 52 twice. I've done like the David Goggins 4x4x48 four by four, four by four by a couple times. Um, I've paced some friends at ultras, but that was you know spread out over days. It was a lot of miles. But the fir- the this will be the furthest I've gone uh, all in one day, all in one race is 100 kilometers, 62 miles. It's a very, very, very flat and fast course. Uh, I think it is a little rocky in some sections, but it's basically like this crushed gravel trail, super flat. I believe the 100K has like 600 feet of elevation gain for 62 miles. And just for reference, like the Chicago Marathon had like 240 feet of elevation gain. So it's uh, like essentially nothing. Basically flat as a pancake for 100 kilometers. Very excited with that. I'm actually going to start working with uh, Zach Bitter. Uh, If you don't know him, I've had him on the podcast. He is an elite ultra runner. He, at one point, I don't think he holds it anymore, but at one point he had the world record for the fastest hundred miles on a track, fastest hundred miles on a treadmill, the most miles run, uh, on a treadmill in 24 hours, just an absolute savage. He like is the master of flat and fast hundred milers and like long distance ultra. So I'm going to be working with him for this. Uh, it's only six weeks, so not a ton of time to build, but looking more so like the strategy side of things. So I'm excited to learn from him. Uh, and if you guys want to, some good information about running, go check out the podcast I did with him. Um, I don't remember which episode number it was, but Zach Bitter, such a great dude, amazing athlete, and just a great person. And then following Brazos Ben 100K, I'll probably have some half marathons or some other things kind of sprinkled in. Might do the Austin Marathon uh, here in February, but for sure going to be doing the London Marathon in April. Uh, That'll be my third world major. Very, very excited for that. I think I might want to go for a sub 240 there. Try and run like a 239, which is about six minute pace. I think I could do it. We'll see. Um, it's very, very tempting. I, re- I really enjoyed just running really fast for Chicago. I think it was a lot of fun. So I kind of want to do that again for London, but we'll see. Uh, and then lastly, I've got the Bighorn 100 mile ultra marathon through the mountains of Wyoming. Uh, I just signed up for this last week. So excited for Bighorn. Um, I have done the 52-mile race there twice. Um, I did it this last year. I felt really good this last year, and I told myself, like, if I get through the 52 miles feeling pretty good, then I'm going to sign up for the 100-miler. And we felt pretty good, got through it, and so here we are, ready to uh, go run 100 miles next June. Um, Registration is still open for that. It goes very quickly. Uh, They just opened it last week. And I think it closes, it'll probably sell out within the next week or two. So if you guys have any interest in running the uh, the Bighorn 100 miler out in Wyoming next June, definitely sign up. I would love to see you guys out there. Um, it's a really fun race. I'm definitely biased because I'm from Wyoming and it's like two hours from where I grew up. But it is an absolutely beautiful, epic, intense, and uh, muddy course everything you could possibly imagine you will experience on that course so i can't wait for it 100 miles is gonna be nuts but that's what i've got coming up thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast uh i don't know if i'm gonna keep doing these solo ones i'm gonna i'm gonna test this one out see how it does uh the q a you guys loved it last week so i might continue to do some of these i feel like i've just come on here and have a big old ramble party for like 40 minutes but hope you guys enjoy this one hopefully you got some good information out of this one uh remember the four r's 
for recovering after running, rehydrate, refuel, repair, and rest. So thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe to the channel, leave a review, and share it with a friend. And thank you to our sponsors of this episode, 2before Performance Nutrition. Use the code JMiller for $10 off your order at 2before.com, and you can feel the powerful benefits of New Zealand blackcurrant berries. We'll see you in the next one.